I'm sure we are all concerned by the escalating conflict currently taking place between Israel and Palestine, as well as the loss of lives, including children. War is a tragedy and causes so much pain and trauma. May we continue to pray for peace to prevail. Kevin Connor had a particular interest in Israel and God's plans and purposes for this people group, both historically and in our time. This is a sensitive topic, and he always sought to handle it with both grace and truth. A copy of the handout notes for this teaching series can be downloaded for free as a PDF or Word document at www.kevinconnor.org forward slash Israel. Also, the material from this teaching is covered extensively in three particular books by Kevin Connor, What About Israel, Restoration Theology, and New Covenant Realities. Visit his website for further details. Although given well over a decade ago, we hope that this timely teaching will assist you in navigating these current times with both faith and wisdom. All right, I want you to turn your Bible to, uh, so we're looking at the second session tonight, uh, Unshaken, what do we what do you call that? Unshaken in the shakeable world anyway, the unshakable kingdom of God. I want you to turn to the scripture we've got to start there, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and uh, I want to read verses, uh, or just the first few verses, just because of time, we've got to get, keep going. All right, I'm reading from uh, New King James here, and it says here, uh, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto, uh, our gathering together to him, we ask you that you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as, from us, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. All right, we'll just hold it there for time's sake. Now, uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, the unshakable kingdom of God and uh, the, thing, the sevenfold shaking that's going on in the world. But when Paul writes to the Thessalonians here, um, there'd been some teaching that Paul had given to the Thessalonians about the coming of the Lord. And some of them were expecting the Lord to come uh, in that time. And they were worried about those who died and everything like that. And so I want you to notice, keep your Bible open here, verse 1. Two things that we have here that we need to sort of, you know, understand what Paul's talking about. So number one, he says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that coming there, I forget the... Do you know, Lanny, offhand, the Greek word there? Uh, parousia, yeah, parousia. And it refers to the literal, actual second coming of the Lord. So he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord... Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, and then number two, our gathering together unto him, which involves the rapture, though rapture isn't a Bible word, it is a Bible truth. So two things there, I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering, or what we would say, the rapture, uh, our gathering together, unto him shall the gathering of the people be, as uh, Genesis says, we ask you. And then he says, I don't want you to be shook up. And I've marked my Bible and I'd like to encourage you to take down four simple thoughts here. He says, not to be soon shaken, number one, in mind. 
So people today are being shook up mentally over things that there's so much, uh, and uh, as I said last week, I don't care if you uh, disagree with me, as long as you disagree agreeably, but I want to submit it to because I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. A very good response to the right here, sick over the left here. Okay, so a lot of people being shaken in mind. I remember when I was in Portland, Oregon, uh, many, many years ago, it seems now, uh, and uh, a, a brother came to me from another town and he was physically shaken because at that time, I think it was the six-day war was on in uh, Israel and uh, he was shaken up. He said, I've told, I've told my people that the rapture's on any moment. We can go any moment and uh, we're not going to go through the tribulation. We're going to escape the tribulation. But he said, with the six-day war and all this going on, what am I going to tell them? I said, I have a philosophy. It's better to be prepared to go through the tribulation and find there is none than be unprepared and find there is one. How many would say amen to that? You can't, you can't lose for winning on that. But he was just shaken in mind. He said, what am I going to tell the people? I said, tell them. And, and, and you know, when, when I hear some teachings like this, I say, tell it to the 3,000 Christians uh, in Indonesia that were killed. Tell it to the thousands of Christians in China that have been killed and say, oh, we're not going through the tribulation. It's great in the Western world and great in the American world, but it's not real. And see, the Bible, when you go through that, that's a whole subject in itself. There's always been tribulation. Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation. Now, we do believe, or I personally believe, that there will be a time of great tribulation at the end of the age before Jesus comes. But there's always been tribulation. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation. And then uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 22, uh, 22, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So that's Acts 14, 22. So number one, I don't want you to be soon shaken in mind. So people are shaken mentally, uh, so much stuff on the television. And uh, I'm not rupturing the rapture. I believe in a rapture, but not a sneaky one. And, and just for those who really want to know what I believe, I believe that the rapture takes place at the coming of the Lord, not any minute sneaky out. Sorry about that. And if I'm wrong, I'm ready to go. Okay, whichever way to see. So I'm, I'm safe either way. All right, number two, he says, or troubled. And then he says, either by spirit so apparently in the Thessalonian church, uh, Thess- uh, church of Thessalonica, uh, there were spirit utterances, supposed to be the Holy Spirit, saying the Lord was coming back any moment. He says, I don't want you to be soon shaken in mind. Don't be shook up in your mind or troubled either by spirit. And then he says, number three, all by word. <clears throat> So there'd either been prophetic words or somebody had spoken, well, the rapture's on any moment and we'll, we'll be out of it soon. So he says, I don't want you to be shook up. <laughs> and then number four, he says, all by letter as if from us. 
So there were some uh, pseudo-apostolic writings floating around that the Lord's coming any moment and they were worried, what about those who have died in Christ? What's going to happen to them? And, and that's what Paul's uh, dealing with in, in the uh, epistles here. As though the day of Christ had come. What day? Coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto him. And then you'll notice the warning, uh, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. And uh, please take this kindly. I believe there's a lot of deceptive teaching uh, floating around on the television and radio about the second coming of the Lord. And uh, we just need to uh, check this. And this is my attitude. Look, if the Lord came tonight, I hope I'm ready to go. Whatever. But if he doesn't come for the next few years, I'm still going to serve him. That's it. But so many people say, oh, the rapture's gone any moment and we're going to be out of it. And so much teaching on the television. You really need to check it out uh, and so forth. So deception over these things. Let no man deceive you by any means. And then Paul gives a brief outline here. For that day, what day? The coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him or the day of Christ. That day will not come unless first the falling away first. So in the Greek word there is actually the apostasy. And it's certainly going on today. So the falling away is the apostasy comes first. And then number two, the man of sin, which most people seem to agree with, refers to the Antichrist the son of perdition. So let me trick you into truth here. Um, which, come, uh, which in the parables of the kingdom, which was bound first, the wheat or the tares? <coughs> the tares were gathered first into ecumenical, uh, I'm sorry, uh, ecumenical bundles. And then the wheat was gathered into the barn. So, which comes first, the tares or the wheat? Who came first in the Old Testament, Ishmael or Isaac? Ishmael, not Isaac. Who came first, Esau or Jacob? Who comes first, Christ or Antichrist? Some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at the new gate. Antichrist comes first, before the coming of Christ. Read it carefully. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, what day? Coming of our Lord, our gathering together unto him, the day of Christ. Just read the previous verses. That day will not come unless there, not, it doesn't say the rapture first, the falling away first. And that's certainly going on today. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. All right, so the issue is we're not to be shaken up with what happens, live or die. We, we, we just want to be ready for the coming of the Lord regardless. Everybody said amen. All right, now let's go to our notes here. I want to work through briefly uh, here uh, seven major areas in Scripture concerning the great shaking. And I want to deal, as we finish here, two great things that cannot be shaken. All right, now I want you to turn over to the book of Hebrews. And I want you to notice a progression here uh, that uh, I think it's Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, but whoever it was, uh, how God has spoken. But he gives a great question and he does not answer it until we get to chapter 12. So let's go to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. So we're not to be shook up with a lot of the teaching that's floating around today, 
Just be prepared and live for Christ day by day. Okay, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 2. And uh, so God has spoken to us. So listen to what it says here. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels... So I put it in this order just for the purpose of our study. If the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just uh, recompensable reward. And then he asked the question, we'll, we'll come to that, how shall we escape if we neglect, not if we reject, but if we neglect so great salvation? So God has spoken by the angels. So in the Old Testament times, spoke by the angels, uh, different words and so forth to people. God spoken by the angels. But then he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Back to Hebrews chapter 1. And then I put it in the order just for our study here. And uh, so in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past... And anything before the cross was time past, spoke to the fathers by the prophets. So God has spoken by the prophets. So all right, hold that there. So number one, God has spoken by angels. God, number two, God has spoken by the prophets. And then number three, in uh, Hebrews chapter one, verse uh, two, I've given you the scriptures there, has in these last days... So the last days, as we saw last week, uh, began with the first coming of the Lord. So the last days, we are living, I believe, in the last of the last days. So has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Such uh, rich language. So number three, God has spoken by his Son. And now go to chapter 3 and verse 7. Chapter 3 and verse 7, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. So God has spoken by his Spirit. And uh, I think I may have mentioned this before at one time. It's interesting that in the book of Revelation, uh, or in the, in the Gospels, over and over again it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's always in the plural. The word plural, uh, ears is always in the plural. But when you get to the book of Revelation, never once of the seven or eight times it's used there, the word is always in the singular. And it says, it adds two things, he that hath an ear, singular, let him hear what? What the Spirit is saying to the churches. So in the Gospels, who was talking? The Word. Jesus, the Word made flesh. And he always says, he that has ears to hear. Every reference, there's 14 references in the, in the, in the New Testament, having ears to hear. But six or seven, seven or eight times, I think it is, in the Gospels, it's always plural, ears, because they're listening to the word made flesh. You could touch Jesus, handle him, see him, everything like that. But now in Acts chapter 1, the word has gone back to heaven. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's come down. And how many are fi fine? It really is a little bit harder to hear what the Spirit 
is saying. It takes a little bit more sensitive hearing to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so Jesus said, I'll build my church. And now through Revelation, it's always in the singular. He that has an ear, not ears, has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. All right, now, notice in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, if you've got your Bible still open there. In chapter 2, verse 3, he asked the question, How shall we escape? So God has spoken by the angels, he's spoken by the prophets, he's spoken by his son, he's spoken by his spirit, he's speaking by the spirit today. And then the question is, how shall we escape if we neglect, not reject, but just neglect so great salvation which at the Lord uh, first began to be spoken by the Lord. Then turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and it's not till we get to Hebrews chapter 12, 25, that he actually answers the question. That's very important. So Hebrews 2, verse 3, how shall we escape? That's the question. And then Hebrews chapter 12, 25, at the end of the epistle, he answers the question. So he says in verse 20, 25, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. God has spoken by the angels, spoken by the prophets, he's spoken by his son, he's speaking by his spirit. So see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape. So the answer is, how shall we escape? And what is the answer? We will not escape. Yet Jesus says, pray that ye may be worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. So it's just a challenge to us to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Question is, how shall we escape? And the answer is, we shall not escape if we refuse, if we, if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And when we uh, finish our study here tonight, we'll see how... These verses fit in, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made and the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Okay, so that's what he's talking about. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians, I don't want you to be shook up in your mind or troubled by spirit, false utterances or by false uh, prophetic words, uh, uh, by words and by forged letters, because God has spoken. And how will we escape? We will not escape. All right, now, I want you to move to A on your notes there. There are seven major prophecies concerning the great shaking in these last days. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll just read a scripture here, there. Uh, but I do want to encourage you to make sure you read the scriptures for yourself. Check it out. All right, so number one, uh, in Isaiah chapter two, it says he will arise uh, to shake terribly the earth. Let me, let me just read that scripture for you. So Isaiah chapter two and verse 10, uh, 10 to 21, you've got it on your notes there. Uh, But it says here uh, in verse 10, Enter into the rock. And who's the rock? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Upon this rock I'll build my church. Enter into the rock. 
and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. The Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And then it goes on as you read through the whole passage here, which we won't hear. Uh, verse 19, they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. And then the same is repeated in verse 21, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. And uh, I think uh, we all recognize that God is shaking the earth. How many can say amen to that? Uh, I've got so, so much material here. Um, I'll read a little bit more of this later on. But just to go back, and it's got a, I've got a list here of the world's deadliest earthquakes. 1556, the year was, 830,000 people. This was in China, uh, and it was a, a magnitude, an earthquake of magnitude 8.0. And then in uh, 1138, uh, 230,000 people were swept into eternity. And then in uh, 2004, Sumatra, 227,000. I mean, it just goes on and on. And then we think of what's happened in Haiti recently and then in New Zealand. And uh, for me, I often say to my wife, I think, that, I think the thing that grieves me the most is, is not just the devastating, uh, devastation that takes place in cities and houses and lands, but the people that are swept into eternity, where are they going to spend eternity? That, that it, for me, is the most grievous thing. Thousands just swept and then it, uh, it goes on here, and then uh, I don't know where I got this from, but uh, uh, I got this little booklet. Some of you might get a, a millennial alert. Uh, Haiti's massive earthquake, and he just goes through some of the earthquakes that have been taking place in the earth. Just unbelievable. And then uh, Japan's triple whammy and the coming global earthquake. Just, uh, just frightening statistics that are happening. So I, I, I think we all realize that in the last days, uh, the earthquakes are increasing. Everything's being shaken that can be shaken. Everybody can say amen to that. And uh, I don't know how many saw this on the news where they, they said in one of the earthquakes that the earth was shaken off its axis. Uh, how many saw that? And uh, yeah, so God is shaking. And uh, this is a subject in itself, but you know, God is trying to get our attention. So he's going to shake terribly the earth. And there's other scriptures there. All right, number two. Now, you'll notice there's a progression here. And, and when we get to our last couple of scriptures, you'll see how it just keeps building and building and building and building. So first of all, he's going to shake terribly the earth. Uh, how many have ever been in an earthquake? How many have ever been an earth tremor? It's a frightening thing. I was in Los Angeles years ago at Brother Shock's church and Earth Tremor had us in LA there. Boy, I thought the lights were going. I said, what's happening? And just realized, yeah. All right, number two. Now he moves from the earth and he says he's going to shake the heavens. So you fill in, he's going to shake the heavens. All right, uh, let me read another scripture. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty 
and makes its waste and turns it upside down. Uh, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have tra- uh, cha- transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth. Wow, so many scriptures. And then this one here, I've got Isaiah chapter 13. Let me read a, f- a few verses. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven, the constellations uh, thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. I will punish the world for their in- uh, evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And uh, we've just got to face it. I mean, evil and iniquity is just increasing on every hand. I mean, you know, they're trying to pass laws on same-sex marriage, same devil. People ask me in America, what's it like down under? I say, same devil down under. How many agree with that? Well, and truly, I mean, it's just, there's a madness. There's a madness and a violation of the laws. And then look what's happened in Australia just recently. They're going to get rid of BC and AD. Anything that pertains to Christ, to Christianity, BC, and what are they changing that to? Uh, ABC or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Just ridiculous anyway. And AD, anything pertaining to Christ, get rid of. See, there's, there's a hatred against Christ in the world that's just rising, rising, rising. Uh, So God says, I'm going to punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will uh, lay low the haughtiness of man. I'll shake, then in verse 13, very clear, I'll shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce wrath. All right, so number two, another scripture you can read there. He's going to shake earth. And then he's going to shake heaven, shake the heavens, plural. All right, number three, and this is an interesting one. Uh, Number three is, you fill in here, is he's going to shake the powers of the heavens, plural. I'd like to uh, read these, a couple of scriptures here, let's see. Got so many scriptures here. Uh, I'll give you the Matthew 24 one. And uh, you know, this is interesting here in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, <clears throat> pardon me, and the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. Uh, and listen to the last part. And the powers of heaven, and if I remember correctly, the powers there is like Uranus, the powers... And uh, what we can think of is, um, uh, you know, where's our warfare? It's in heavenly places. So principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. And these are the powers of the heaven. And as I said last week, I think last week or somewhere, is that sin began in heaven. It began among the angels. So Lucifer, as we understand, he was the first sinner. Uh, Adam and Eve were not the first sinners. Sin came to earth. But it began in heaven at the very throne of God amongst the angelic hosts. And so the powers of the heavens 
And, uh, you know, as you read the book of Revelation, whatever your eschatology may be, we're told in Revelation chapter 12, which we referred to last week, you know, that there was warfare in heaven. Uh, Michael and his angels uh, was in warfare with Satan and his angels, Lucifer and his angels. So the, the, the powers of heaven, and I personally believe that Satan knows he has a, but a short time, and he's working like mad, and I think he hates Christ. And he, I don't think, I know, he hates Christ. He hates the church, the body of Christ. And his motto that he gave to Napoleon Bonaparte many years ago was divide and conquer. So he's against the church and uh, divides the church within. Uh, he just hates the body of Christ. And uh, I think the powers of heaven... Principalities and powers in heavenly places, uh, warfare in heaven. And so that's confirmed in uh, Luke chapter 21. Powers of heaven shall be shaken. And uh, it's in Mark as well. So powers of heaven. All right, number, number four is interesting too. And uh, we'll be doing a little bit more on that in uh, our third session, which is our fourth session really. Okay, I'd like you to look at this uh, passage, Ezekiel chapter 38. And remember I tell you, we are in a Bible study, so you've got to bring your Bible. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 38. And uh, we'll pick up in verse 19 and 20. So Ezekiel 19 and verse 20, and it says here, for in my, I'm reading from old King James here, for, because I haven't marked a new one, uh, only a couple, of, a couple of words. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. And new King James puts it this way, surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now you think of that. With everything that's happened in the Middle East and Israel that I'm going to be dealing with in our next session, there's going to be a great earthquake. God is shaking. Everything that can be shaken. Shake terribly the earth, shake the heavens, shake the powers of the heaven, shake the land of Israel. And listen to it. So that, uh, uh, verse 20, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep upon the earth, and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence, and the mountains shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. Tragedy, 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 but shaking at his presence. So a great earthquake shaking, and uh, we'll deal with that in our next session. But personally, I believe things are going to get worse in the Middle East, because God's trying to get people's attention. So he's just shaking everything that can be shaken. Uh, everybody said amen on that? Yeah. All right, number five, you fill in here. Number five is, uh, let's go to Haggai first uh, of all. Oh, didn't I do number four? Yeah, you shake the land of Israel. That's your fill in. That's number four. Okay, number one, shake terribly the earth. Number two, shake the heavens. Number three, shake the powers of the heavens. Uh, dunamis it is, that's right, forces. And then number four, shake the land of Israel. Okay, number five, I'd like you to look at this scripture. 
Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Now you'll notice how, how the prophets keep adding and adding it a little bit here. And Haggai sort of gives us the, uh, uh, the addition here. So in verse, uh, verse 6, Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6. And here's your fill in. And I will shake all nations. That's your fill in. I will shake all nations. And... Oh, I need to go back to verse 6. Yeah, thus saith the Lord uh, of hosts, yet, a little, yet once it is a little while, and I'll shake the heavens, we've done that, and the earth, we've done that, and the sea, I'll give you that in a moment, and the dry land, and number, verse 7, I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I'll fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And then he deals on about the glory of the latter house, uh, which never seemed to be fulfilled in Haggai's mind or the people's mind until Jesus came. But God's going to shake all nations, and I think it's happening financially, economically, everything. And uh, uh, the scripture, I'm just looking at my notes here. If you, you've got Luke chapter 21, verse 25, that's on your notes there. Uh, he says, There will be distress of the nations. So you think what's happening in Babylon, Iraq, modern day Babylon, Iran, Medo-Persia, China, the Arab nations, Africa, Israel, Europe. And how many were here just a few uh, couple of months back when actually Melbourne had a tremor? Very unknown to us. I think God's just shaking. India, economic shake-up, internationally, employment, everything. So shaking all nations. And how God does it, that's over to him. But it's certainly happening. Okay, number, number six while we're in Haggai. Uh, Haggai's the only one that mentions this one. And number six is shake the sea. That's in uh, verse uh, six. For thus saith the Lord, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea. Um, my wife uh, gets, uh, collects things for me. I'll hold this up even though you can't see it. Uh, the Japan earthquake, quake, the killer tsunami. And look at the effects of that. And it, it goes right through to Christchurch, Australia, Indo, Australian plate here. What's happening? And uh, I did find a definition of, of a tsunami. Uh, I, did, I didn't know what a tsunami was. Anybody else with me? It's a Japanese word. And the definition is um, a tsunami is an oceanic earthquake. And it means in, in, in the Greek here too also to make a loud noise or a confused noise to reverberate and a roar, and it actually means a long high sea wave caused by an underwater earthquake. And uh, Jesus said, uh, which scripture? Luke chapter 21, verse 25. Let me read that. Luke 21, uh, verse 25. And, and the, you know, so many of these words don't mean much to us till it happens. Luke uh, 21, 25. 
And he says, uh, yeah, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations, so I'll shake all nations with perplexity. And listen to this last part, the sea and the waves roaring. Wow. The sea and the waves roaring. And it means from strong concordance to make a loud noise or a confused noise reverberate to roar. And, uh, you know, as I said, the tragedy is with Japan and everything like that and the ring of fire and strikes again and all these things here is that people are swept into eternity. Where are they going to spend eternity? That, to me, is the worst part. The earthquake and the devastation, everything's bad, 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 bad. But the, the worst part to me is they're ushered into eternity. Where are they going to spend eternity? How many feel that way? Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line. All right, then number seven, and we'll go back to Hebrews chapter 12, which I've already read. But here he brings everything together. So, uh, so number six is shake the sea. And then number seven... In case he missed anything, he just uses the word everything. <laughs> Listen to it. So he, I've already read this to you, but Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, 25, I'll read again. So see that you do not refuse him that speaks, for if they did not escape, so how shall we escape if we neglect? And some people just neglect. It's not that they reject, they just neglect. The dying thief, the unrepentant dying thief, salvation was right there in the middle cross. One thief accepted it. The other thief, he didn't reject, he just neglected. It was right there. And people don't necessarily have to reject salvation, they just neglect. I'm too busy, life's too full. Just neglect. So... How shall we escape if we neglect? For if they did not escape, he refused him who spoke on earth. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And then notice how he's quoting from Haggai, Haggai the prophet Haggai, and brings it all together. And just in case he's missed anything, he sort of gives one word for your fill-in. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised yet once more... I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This is the order I've tried to give it to you. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken of, uh, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And here, here it is. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, hallelujah, which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Okay, so you fill in there for number seven is he'll shake everything. So I said earth, heaven, powers of heaven, the land of Israel, all nations, the, the sea, in case I've missed anything, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And when Haggai gives his prophecy, he actually gives a specific day, the 24th day, a specific month, the ninth month, a specific year, the second year of King Darius. 
And it's all linked up there. So everything covers it, everything that can be shaken. So how many believe we are living in that time now? Everything is being shaken. And uh, I was talking to Lanny today, I was saying, uh, one, of the, one of the major questions people ask as they did a survey, was it in Portland, Lanny? Just help me. My friend here from a, uh, gonna help me on key knowledge this week. Uh, what was the students, or the, the main question? Yeah, what was the purpose of man? What are we here for? You know, the lack of purpose. And the second one, yeah, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the worst thing that can happen to any of us is death. And sudden death is sudden glory. I just hate to leave my wife with all those credit cards. Okay, (laughs) now just just the funny. Okay, let's, before we take a break here, let's go to the two unshakable. So, can we all say, man, that we recognize these things, but we're not to be shaken in mind or troubled in spirit or, you know, have a nervous breakdown. Say, Lord, you said you're going to shake everything that's going to be shaken. Okay, we recognize what's going on in the world. He's shaking the earth. He's shaking the heavens. He's shaking powers of the heavens, shaking the land of Israel, shaking all nations, shaking the sea. It's all happening, shaking everything that can be shaken. Okay, what, what is our anchor? Okay, letter B, there are two things that cannot be shaken. I've already given to you. Number one, the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't know how many of you have E.S. Jones' textbook on uh, the unshakable kingdom. It's an excellent book, and I I meant to read a little bit out of it, but I, I forgot to bring it tonight. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is everlasting, it's eternal. And nothing's going to shake the kingdom of God. So when you and I were born again, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the what? How many are born again? How many know where you are? You're in the kingdom. Uh, I did this in Portland too. Had a little bit of fun. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the church. Doesn't say that. So how many are in the kingdom tonight? How many are in the church tonight? How many don't know where they are? (laughs) Okay. There's one thing to get in the kingdom. There's another thing to get in the church. All right. Okay. So kingdom of God is everlasting. Never be shaken. And then for our last few moments, I want you to go over to uh, number two here. And uh, let's see. I want you to go to... Uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Now I put the scripture down there for you uh, from Matthew where Jesus said I'm going to build my church and then it's in uh, Matthew's gospel. It's just that uh, Luke supplies something that uh, Matthew doesn't. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 6 and verse 40. 46 to 49. Well, I'm reading from old authorized on this, and I'll use New King James as well. Uh, and it says here, as Jesus finishes his sermon here, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and, and does them, I will show you to whom uh, he is like. 
Now, note the language here, and if you mark your Bible, I'd like to encourage you to uh, mark at least two words that really hit me. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep. He dug deep. I hope your translation says that. Uh, New King James says he's like a man building a house who dug deep. And then note the next part. He laid the foundation on a rock. So three things I want you to note there. And that's what I've sort of got on your notes, I think. He dug deep. He laid the foundation on a rock. Now, we know spiritually speaking, I mean, the whole issue is obedience to the word, doing the word, but the issue is upon this rock I'll build my church. So the church is going to, the true church, I must say, the house of God is unshakable. Let's continue. So he dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and sh- could not shake it. That's worth a little baby hallelujah. He could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, just in a little bit of allegorical form, I like to look at this. Today I see, and I believe we all see, that there are two churches in formation. The, 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 the foolish, uh, the, the, the false church, the harlot church, and then the true church, the bride of Christ. And who, which house do you think went up the quickest? I think they say there's about 346 books out on church growth today. How to grow a church in six easy lessons, so forth. Say, so, well, the foolish man, he built his house, according to Matthew's rendition, on the sand. No foundation. Well, wise man dug deep. And that's what life track is about. Uh, our tracks, just to dig deep and make sure that our foundation is right, laid the foundation. And in this picture, uh, I like to liken the, uh, the foundation principles of Hebrews chapter 6. Foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, not faith in your faith or faith in yourself, faith towards God, laying it of hands, water bap- uh, doctrine of baptisms, laying it of hands, resurrection of the dead, uh, eternal judgment, which nobody likes to talk about today. And let's go on to perfection. And you know what Hebrews says? And this will we do if God permit. Now, when you're building a house, generally speaking, you have to lay a proper foundation and then the building inspector comes along and he looks at it and only if the foundation's laid properly will he give you the permit to go on. So Paul is saying, or the writer of Hebrews is saying, let us go on unto perfection, and this will we do if God permit. If God, and God will not give the permit to many churches today because they don't have the foundation laid properly. So as we look at these two men, 
Both were builders. And you see three things in building a house. You've got to have a proper foundation. You've got to have proper structure. And you've got to have proper covering. And you see those three things were tested. The floods tested the foundation. When the enemy comes in like a flood. And the winds tested the structure. And the rains tested the covering. Think of that. So the foolish man's house went up. And maybe in imagination he came over to the wise man and said, What are you doing? Look at my church. It's growing like, you know, we're a mega church. What are you doing? I'm just digging deep. Well, why waste all that time? Look how fast my church is growing. I'm just digging deep. What are you looking for? A rock? And what are you going to do when you find the rock? Uh, Well, I think Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. I'm going to lay the foundation. All right. How many get the picture? See, tremendous picture. Just, Just little words, but so powerful. So, I... I know when I came back from Portland, my desire was, uh, as I took over from Brother Richard at the time, I want to build a wise man's house. Because when the floods came, and when the winds came, and when the rains came, great was the fall. I feel sorry for all those people who were in the wrong house. I'd like to be in a wise man's house. How many can say... Amen. So that when the storms come and the winds of doctrine blow and everything like that and the rains fall as it did in the days of Noah, nothing could shake it. So I'm sold on being in the kingdom of God and being in the house of the Lord, the true church. Now, I'm not talking about this building. This is just the sheep's head where all the sheep meet. And all the sheep said, that's it. All the goats, a lot of sheep over here. All the sheep, amen. Okay, all right, you got the message. So two unshakable things, two things which cannot be shaken, the kingdom of God and the true church, the house of God. That's it. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.